What's up, guys? I want to welcome you into another episode of the Non-Perishable Podcast. I am your host, Taylor, and I am so excited for you to join me once again on another study on the book of Joshua. Today, we will be doing chapters 8 through 9. I hope that this this podcast has helped you in some way and it helped you understand the word of God more, help you want to read the word of God more, help you have conversations with your friends about the word of God more. You know, that's that's the overall goal of, of this podcast. But I was so excited to have my friends on, a couple of my friends, you know, Jacob, Najwan and Tyler. You will definitely be seeing them more in the future and, and other guests I have lined up to join the podcast but for a couple of episodes, it'll probably just me be me on here. So I'm excited to to continue on this journey. So today we will be reading Joshua chapter eight through nine. Joshua chapter eight through nine. So if we go ahead and get ready, we're gonna start at verse one. Joshua chapter eight, verse one. Now the Lord said to Joshua, "Do not fear or be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise." Go up to Ai, see I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and his kings just as you did to Jericho and its kings. You shall take only its spoils and its cattle as plunder for yourselves. Set an ambush for the city behind. So Joshua rose with all the people of war to go up to Ai. And so Joshua rose with all the people of war to go up to Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 men, valiant warriors, and sent them out at night. He commanded them saying, see, you are going to ambush the city from behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. Then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. And when they came out to meet us, as as at the first, we will flee before them. They will come out after us until we have drawn them away from the city, for they will say they are fleeing before us as at the first. So we will flee before them, and you shall rise from your ambush and take possession of the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. Then it will be when you have seized the city that you shall set the city on fire. You shall do it according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them away and they went to the place of ambush and remained between Bethel and Ai on the west side of Ai. But Joshua spent the night among the people. Now Joshua rose in the morning and mustered the people. And he went up with the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. Then all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near and arrived in front of the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now there was a valley between Ai between him and Ai. He took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. So they stationed the people, all the army that was on the north side of the city, and its rear guard on the west side of the city. And Joshua spent that night in the midst of the valley. It came about when the king of Ai saw it, that the men of the city hurried and rose up early and went out to meet Israel in battle. He and all his people at the appointed place before the desert plain, but he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them, and they fled by the way of the wilderness, and all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city, so not a man was left in Ai or Bethel, 
who had not gone out after Israel, and they left the city unguarded and pursued Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. The men in ambush rose quickly from their place, and when he had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it, and they quickly set it on fire. When the men of Ai turned back and looked behind, the smoke of the city ascended to the sky, and they had no place to flee this way or that. For the people who had been fleeing to the wilderness turned against the pursuers. When Joshua and all the Israel saw the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and slew the men of Ai. The others came out from the city to encounter them, so that they were trapped in the midst of, of Israel some of this side and some of that side, and they slew them until no one was left of those who served or escaped. But they took alive the king of Ai and brought him to Joshua. Now when Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the field in the wilderness where they pursued them, and all of them were fallen by the edge of the sword until they were destroyed, then all Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. All who fell that day, both men and women, were 20,000 all the people of Ai, for Joshua did not withdraw his hand with which he stretched out with the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Israel took only the cattle and the spoil of that city as plunder for themselves according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever. A desolation until this day, he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, Joshua gave command and they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the edge of the city gate and raised over it a great heap of stones that stands to this day. Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the Lord God of Israel and Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the sons of Israel as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no man had welded an iron tool. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. He wrote there on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written in the presence of the sons of Israel. All Israel with their elders and officers and their judges were standing on both sides of the ark before the Levitical priests of the, of, who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger as well as the native Half of them stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given command at first to bless the people of Israel. Then afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessing of the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel with women and the little ones and the strangers who were living among them. So, um, one thing that's really cool to me in this chapter is 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 that. So, in the last chapter, if you if you didn't listen to episode four, the God had commanded the uh, the children of Israel to basically go out and, and fight the. The, the people of Ai and they went out but they were defeated so they fleed 
from the uh, people of AI. And and then God revealed to Joshua that there was basically sin in the camp where somebody had stolen something from the city of Jericho that they shouldn't have taken. So they went in there, you know, they got rid of the sin and all that other stuff. But it's cool to me to see how even through that mistake, God used that mistake in order to give them victory in, in, in this scenario. So literally we see here that the children of Israel went out to the people of AI and then they, the Bible says that they fled. And once the army of AI saw them flee, flee they started chasing them just as because they said that they thought that it was just as they had done before they thought that it, it was how they were fleeing before and in verse six it says they are fleeing before us as at the first so we will flee before them so it's cool to see how the the people of ai kind of chased after israel because they thought it was just like the last time and the children of israel used that to their advantage or basically God used that to their advantage because without them fleeing, they wouldn't have been able to take over the city because the troops, you know, had left the city. So they wouldn't be able to take over the city if they didn't see the children of Israel fleeing and the people of AI wouldn't have chased after their children of Israel fleeing if it hadn't happened before in the last chapter. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that God, you know, if, 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 you know, the guy didn't take whatever he took, in the first place, God had another plan for them to overcome the people of AI. But it's just cool to see how God used the mistake that the people of Israel made. Or he used their defeat in order for it to be their victory. <laughs> I mean, how many times have we heard, you know, preachers or we've seen times in the Bible where it seemed like the defeat was going to be the end of the people of God. But somehow that very defeat turned into their victory. Like we see the story of Samson. That's what comes to mind. He he messed up and he, he, he sold out, you know, his covenant with God. And then he was taken into captivity. And then once he's taken into, into captivity, that very action of being taken into captivity gave him the ability to kill. I think it was like 3000 Philistines at, at one time. And it was that, it was his sin, God still worked through his sin. God still worked through his mistake and he still worked through the, the mess ups and the issues. Like God probably had a, a, a way different plan, you know, to kill that many Philistines. But, he, but God still said, even through your mistake, I can give you victory. Even through your mistake, I can still accomplish my will. So that, that's really cool to, to see here in this chapter. And then I, li I like this, how... how it, it, I don't know if Joshua actually did any fighting right here. It just says he stretched out the javelin that is in your hand. It says in verse 18, then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward AI, for I will give it into your hand. So Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward AI, toward the city, sorry. But I think it's cool here how, how I think we talked about in another episode that I think it was the story of David where God told David to go down. I think it was the story of David, but it's a story in the Bible where a man of God went and they told him, it might've been Moses. <laughs> wow. I'm all over the place, but it's a story in the Bible where, you know, God told the man of God to go down 
and there was basically a war going on inside of a camp or like an area and he told him to like basically hold up his arms and while he was holding up his arms the children of Israel were winning but anytime he let his arms down they would start losing so people had to literally come and like hold his arms up for him so that you know they could keep winning or, or whatever you may have it and, and it's really cool here and I, I don't really understand you know the the symbolism behind what what that means i guess it shows the power of the leader or the man of god in our lives and over his people and how when he stretches out his arms and when he is being used by god the whole city is affected or the whole people are affected and they are you know pushed forth to victory so it's kind of cool to see that here in, in this chapter um but yeah man and once again we talked about it in the last book. Once again, we see how God wants us to completely cut off whatever it is that's from this world that's in the way. So um, the children of Israel here, they literally killed everybody <laughs> in the in the camp of um, the people of Ai. They killed everybody. And it says that Joshua hung the king of Ai which which is it's really it's really graphic I, I will say that it's really it's really a a deep thing to do but if you think about god god is one that doesn't want to play around with the enemy he doesn't want to play around with sin he doesn't want us to play around with sin he wants us to completely kill it he wants us to completely devour whatever that enemy is and we can see here this is what he wants us to do even though it's more of a physical thing here and, you know, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against, you know, principality, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We battle against spiritual war, but it's up to us to do this on a spiritual sense, to completely kill, to completely tear down whatever enemy we're facing. And I like how God, you know, puts this in this story or he puts it in a lot of stories in the Old Testament where, you know, the, the the people of Israel had to completely kill everybody. And that just means that God wants us to completely kill the enemies and the sin in our lives. So um, I like how that, that's in this story. And, and again, he, the Bible talks about, I, I like this a lot. Um, so in the ancient times or basically in the Old Testament, whenever they would have victory or whenever God would do like a great, mighty work they would always build an altar before him and they would sacrifice here and it says that they sacrifice burnt offerings and sacrifice peace offerings and it says he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of moses and, and i like that here because it's almost like joshua is basically saying this covenant still stands this law that you put in place it still matters to our lives. We're still going to live by it. And it's like, he's almost saying like this law that you have put in our lives. Basically, we want to lift it up to you and, and tell you that we still obey you. And um, I like that here, but it's, it's very evident throughout the Old Testament that whenever God would do something or do something great in their lives or perform a miracle, they would raise up an offering to him. They would basically remind themselves of the commitment that they had with God. And they would sometimes make even more of a commitment to him because of the miracles, because of the things he's done. So, for example, in the story of um, Noah, the Bible talks about whenever the waters had 
gone down from the flood whenever, you know, the waters had dried up on the earth. He got off the boat and immediately he built an altar toward before God and praising him basically for keeping him and making a way for him and making provisions. And, you know, other stories across the Bible, we can see where the men of God went before God and gave him a sacrifice for for what he had done for them in their lives. And, you know, like I've said before, I've always tried to put those things, those practices, even though it's Old Testament, and a lot of times a lot of people don't follow Old Testament uh, law or tradition, which is, you know, a big difference. And that's a story for another time. But a lot of times I like to emulate this stuff because, you know, we always talk about God being the same. He's the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. He's the same God. So these things that God put in place, it's, it's you know, relatively the same thing. Now, it's a little different because, you know, we're in a disposition of grace and we don't have to go into, you know, we don't have to go before a priest to get forgiveness. We can go before God to get forgiveness. But a lot of the practices and traditions, the meaning behind them are the same as they are today. So along those lines, I, I say all that to say that how do we practice this? in our lives? How do we practice, you know, God making a way for us, God giving provisions for us, and then us, you know, giving a sacrifice to him or us building an altar towards him. And the only way I I can think of, you know, how I can do that in my life is me giving to him something new that I've never gave to him before. And, And that could be like, say God, you know, gives me a financial blessing or something like that. Now I'm giving him more money than I've ever given him before. My my offerings or my tithes are more than I've ever than they've ever been before. I'm giving him more. And along with that, I'm also sacrificing more than I have before. Um, maybe cutting out, you know, a TV show or something. Even though the TV show may not be bad, I'm cutting it out and I'm gonna make more time for God to do more in my life. I'm cutting out, you know, I'm making time in my day to pray or read the word or minister to somebody, I'm sacrificing something new in order for God to do even more in my life. That's what's happening here. That's what they did in the old times that allowed them to get more and more of God, that allowed them to see more and more miracles. They would sacrifice more to God. So moving on into chapter nine, moving on to chapter nine, we are chapter nine, verse one. Now it came about when the kings, now it came about when the, all the kings who were beyond the Jordan in the hill country and in the lowland, on all the coast of great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite heard of it, that they gathered themselves together with one accord to fight with Joshua and with Israel. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, They also acted craftily and set out as envoys and took worn out sacks on their donkeys and wineskins, worn out and torn and mended and worn out and patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and had become crumbled. They went with Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you are living within our land. How then shall we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, we are your servants. 
Then Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? They said to him, Your servants have come from a very far country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard the report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon king of Heshbon and to Og king of Bashan who was at Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us saying, Take provisions in your hand for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Now then make a covenant with us. This is our bread was warm when we took it from for our provisions out of our house on the day that we left to come to you. But now behold, it is dry and has become crumbled. These wise skins which we were filled, which we filled were new and behold, they are torn. And these are clothes and our sandals are worn out because of the very long journey. So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. It came about at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within their land. Then the sons of Israel set out and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and Chephirah and Beeroth and kirath Jearim. The sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord of the God of Israel. And the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders said to the whole congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This we will do to them. Even let them live so that the wrath will not be upon us for the for the oath which we swore to them. The leaders said to them, let them live. So they became hewers of wood and drawers of water for the whole congregation, just as the leaders had spoken to them. Then Joshua called for them and spoke to them saying, why have you deceived us, saying, we are very far from you. When you are living within our land, now therefore you are cursed, and you shall never cease being slaves, both hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of God. So they answered Joshua and said, because it was certainly told your servants that the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land before you, therefore we feel greatly for our lives because of you. And have done this thing. Now behold, we are in your hands. Do as it is seems good and right in your sight to do to us. Thus he did to them and delivered them from the hands of the sons of Israel. And they did not kill them. But Joshua made them the day that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord to this day in the place which he would choose. So here, it's a very interesting story to me because one, these men come up and they hear of the, the feats of God. And I also like how, how they always mention Egypt first. Like whenever somebody talks about what, what God did for the children of Israel, people always mention Egypt first how God delivered them out of uh, Egypt and out of the hand of the Egyptians. I like how that, that's very cool to me, how they always mention that. And when they first, you know, deliver people from out of that, but the people have heard about what God has done and they heard about, you know, the great feats of God and how powerful God is. They hear about how powerful God is. And yet they didn't come to them with the truth. They came with them with the lie. 
it, it says that they wore worn out clothes and worn out shoes and all this other stuff to make it seem like they're these poor people. And one is that old saying, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> don't judge somebody by how they look. But um, that that's at play here in this story. But also the Bible says in verse 14, so the men of Israel took some of the provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. This is so important in this story because we see that earlier God wanted him to destroy everybody who was not a part of the children of Israel. Like nobody that was from the outside tribes, from any other tribes could be accepted into, you know, the, the, the tribe of Israel, except for Rahab which is, you know, interesting in itself. We we talked about why she was, you know, included into the uh, the people of Israel. But here I think is is a different case, you know. They came in with the lie. They came in telling lies about who they were and and whatnot. And Joshua didn't seek the counsel of God. And I believe that if Joshua would have sought the counsel of God, then Jesus or God, sorry, God would have revealed to him that these people are not who are who they are pretending to be. These people are not who they say they are. God would have saw past the clothes and past, you know, this outer exterior and looked into the hearts of who these people were. And it's so <laughs> in it, throughout our studies, I've been talking about how we can see God in every like story. We can see who he is in every story. Once again, in this story, we can see God. We can see how if we would seek God for counsel about people in our lives who seem to be people of God or who seem to be for us, who seem to be our friends on the outside or seem to be holy or seem to be righteous or seem to be, you know, people of God. If we would just seek God and look past the outer and look into the inner parts of the heart and look into the spiritual parts, like God says he does, then maybe we would see past a lot of the people who come into our lives and ultimately take us off the right path. You know what I'm saying? Like we can see that here, how if Joshua would have just sought out God first, then this would have never happened. And if we would just seek out God first when it comes to those type of situations, maybe the trouble we get in would have never happened. So I, I, I like how, how we can see that here. And then they made them swore, swear an oath to them. And that's just, you know, crazy in itself. And then they find out that they are, in fact, living amongst them, that they are, in fact, living amongst their land. And, and this is just a it's it's a big problem because one, we talked about the pollution from the outside world and how sin can just creep its way in if we're not careful. And we see how these people from another tribe creep their way in and they lie. And because, like I said, they didn't seek the counsel of God, then these people are here and now they've polluted the children of Israel. And it even says in here that the people knew <laughs> that the children of Israel kill people who are not, you know, from their tribe. They get rid of the enemy. They get rid of people who are not of their tribe. So they knew that and they wanted to creep their way in some other way and get this oath and this commitment with them so that they wouldn't kill them. So it would be even harder for them to kill them. It would be even harder for them to get rid of. Like we can see in our lives, that's how sin works. 
because sin will try to it will get its way into us and it will get its way into our lives into who we are and before you know it we have this covenant or this bond or this commitment to the sin that we're committing like this that, that just hit me <laughs> and like that's something i've you know we've all dealt with sin in our lives but that's just something that just hit me as like a revelation out of nowhere you know sin will creep its way into our lives and we'll create this bond between it and once we create this bond between it it's hard to break that bond everybody knows it's hard to break bonds and sin can get these bonds with us or these commitments or these covenants from us and once we've committed to it it's hard to kill it and we can see here once the children of israel committed to this group of people it was hard for them to kill it or get rid of or abolish them and wow that's how sin is in our lives you know it's harder to abolish it whenever we create this bond with it and we can make this commitment with it it's harder for us to abolish that sin out of our lives so this is what at what's at play here and the children of israel never kill them <laughs> he make they make them servants in the temple but what what i i do get i think that what i get out of this story is that um they never accepted god as their god they never they just they just feared god because they knew he had power like any person would fear any king that had power and any king that was going around killing people and stuff like that they didn't fear god because they loved god they feared God because they feared for death and for their lives. Whereas Rahab, she feared God, but she accepted God as her God. She accepted God as the God that she wanted to serve and that she wanted to be a part of. So she was willing to give her life so that the, so that her family would be saved. Here, these men are not willing to give their lives. They are trying to save their lives from God. But Rahab here, Rahab was willing to give her life so that others can be saved, which is a big difference here. And who knows what the outcome of this story is. Maybe, you know, these people living among the children of Israel will lead to other tribes <laughs> um, getting into the Israel's camp and polluting them and driving them away from God. So we'll see in the coming chapters what, you know, comes with this. So I want to thank you guys for joining me once again on another breakdown on the book of Joshua. I am glad that you have chosen to listen to my podcast. So I hope you guys have a good rest of the week. Make sure to tune in on Wednesday for episode six of the non perishable podcast, which will be Joshua chapters 10 through 11. So I hope you guys have a good week. God bless.